Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is a bonus episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Now, as ever, let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Today, I'm taking you to meet Joseph Ford, I've been following Joseph on Instagram for quite some time and whenever his work pops up on my feed a, a smile normally follows because there's a definite feel-good factor to his work. He comes from the Brighton area and tells of his collaboration with one of Brighton's best-known creatives, Fatboy Slim. And it's those sort of collaborations between Joseph's photography and now street artists which is making up the bulk of his newest work. But come and find out more details for yourself as I spoke to Joseph Ford. How are you, mate? How are you? Hey, Gary. How's things? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Where are you today? I'm in Brighton. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. And is it nice down there today? It's lovely. Yeah, good. absolutely gorgeous weather. Yeah, really, really hot and sunny. I was going to sit. I was going to sit out in the hammock in the garden, actually. Oh, nice. And then I thought. We'll end up with seagull noise. Over <laughs> I don't. I don't mind any noise at all. To tell you the truth, right, Joseph. There's several questions I ask each artist. Okay. And the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that wouldn't know your work? So that is, I guess, most of my work um, is looking at optical illusions, um, and I tend to work in series. So I'll work, um, I'll come up with an idea. I'm going to come up with a lot of ideas. Most of them I scrap because they turn out to be ridiculous or incredibly complicated or, or whatever. Um, some of them I roll with and then I'll tend to work for several years on the same project. And I'll, I'll often have like a couple of sort of the end of one project going while the beginning of the next project is going. 
So, tends to be optical illusions, often collaborative. Um, and I guess I'm just really interested in in stuff that draws the viewer in and gets you to gets you to look for small details. So I really like seeing my work on a large scale, sort of printed a couple of meters wide, something like that, because oh, I work okay. on I work on something in very high definition, and you'll end up with something that gets shown on Instagram or on a website or TV or whatever, and you kind of you can't really see anything very much at that scale. Yeah. And then you see a massive print of it and people are like, oh wow, I never realized this bit was in there. So it's not a very clear answer really, is it? Oh no, it's perfectly clear. I mean, what you was just saying there, I noticed after lockdown for two years or so, yeah. when I saw more work on my phone in that two years than I probably had in the previous 10, because I'd made friends with people on you know on the phone artists yeah. got to know their work yeah. when i've gone to see it in person i'll be like ah now i get it you know, you it, get it. it yeah. was attractive it, it was attractive to me before but um yeah seeing it in person it's got a whole new language yeah it does doesn't it i mean i think when i go to see exhibitions i'm often i'm always that annoying person who's right at the front and i'm trying to look like it was a painting <laughs> no, i want to no. see the detail of the brush strokes and i mean i can't paint I don't know anything about it, but I do. I find the I find the techniques really interesting. So it's great to be able to look in very very close. Or if I'm going to look at a photography exhibition, like if you look at a look at photography from 60, 70, 80 years, like people think retouching is a new thing, but actually retouching has been around since the beginning of photography. Yeah, it's just that a hundred years ago you'd retouch something by you'd scrape away gelatin from the negative with a razor blade or off the print to kind of lighten an area. Um, and you'd sort of paint details in, done something. I, I feel like if you, particularly when you see really big paintings, um, you can actually start imagining, I guess, what, what the artist, not necessarily what the artist was thinking, but you, you feel much more connected than when you see something in a book or see something online. Oh, um, definitely. And, and it actually becomes real. Like you go and see the Monet's water lilies or something, and and it's those, those are images that are so well known that you kind of imagine that you know everything about them. You're just yeah. kind of like, okay, it's Giverny, you've got the water lilies, blah 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 blah, and then you actually see them for real, and you and you get a whole different scope of view. I think. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's it's incredibly important to be able to have access to those. So the kind of spaces where you can actually go and see stuff properly. Yeah. You've mentioned about um, optical illusions. Yeah. Everyone loves an optical illusion. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Tell us about invisible jumpers. Okay. So I guess with, um, with that series, I'd probably take a step further back. There was a series I did before that where I was... Um, flying, flying around in helicopters, taking photographs of landscapes, and then matching those up with um, with, with textile elements in, in fashion. Um, and I think when I was doing that, that really got me thinking about the, the, the sort of way that you can make one thing look like another. Um, and then I met, a, I met a woman called Nina Dodd, who lives in Brighton as well. Um, and she likes knitting crazy things. I mean, she'll knit. Like, <laughs> if you give her a, if you say I want something weird knitted, she's the person to go to. Brilliant. And um, she really likes buses 
she had um, she's she's very preoccupied by buses as well as knitting, um, and she'd done this jumper, uh, kind of using the using the same sort of material as the um, as the seat patterns in Brighton and Hove buses. And I said, well, we should do something with this. Like, let's set up a shoot and we can we can shoot someone. So I did um, did a photograph of a of a guy that we found in a barber's kind of big hipster beard, all, all that jazz um, in a bus. And that looked great. And then I thought, okay, well, what can we do? What else can we do? So I thought, well, let's do a dog because everyone likes a dog. And we got this little, we borrowed a dog from, I don't know, a friend of a friend or something. Um, knitted a jumper for a dog and then photographed a dog. And I kind of thought, <laughs> I want to do some more of these. And uh, yeah, I it just kind of went from there. And I suppose what, what I really enjoy with a series like that is once you've established the main sort of the principle, the concept, you can then take it wherever you want. Yeah, it starts to unfold itself, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I like making people laugh. I like making myself laugh. And I like challenges. And so I'd kind of think, oh, I wonder what we could do. Like, could we do kids? So I got my kids and photographed my kids. And everyone says, like, don't work with animals, don't work with kids. So I thought, <laughs> hey, I'll do both of those. Um, and then I was sort of thinking, oh, well, we've got knitting. It's kind of quintessentially British. So let's do another quintessentially British thing. So we did a teapot. And then, I don't know, I, I, um, I got in touch with fat boy slim because he lives in brighton as well and he's generally up for anything a bit weird i gave him a shout and he was like yeah great come around and he was like come around for a cup of tea and i'll show you around my house anything <laughs> interesting so i we went around to his house had a cup of tea and um and he was like i've got this thing up on the roof i think you're really gonna like it we went up to the roof and he's got like an eight meter wide smiley on the roof of his house yeah, so we we went up to went up to Norman's roof, and he's got this massive smiley, and I was like, "Well, we've got to do this, haven't we?" <laughs> so we knitted him a massive dressing gown, and then um, a German TV channel got in touch, and they said, "We've seen this project you're doing. We'd like to come and um, we'd like to come and film you doing a shoot sometime. Have you got anything coming up?" And I was like, "Well, I'm shooting Fat Boy Slim next week," and they were like, "Oh my God, can we come?" Brilliant. So I gave Norman a bell, and he was like, "Let yourselves in. Make yourselves at home." And that was great because, yeah, we just had a had a whale of a time. So for me, it's been it's been a really fun project to do, and I spent a lot of time, I guess, exploring other ideas that I wanted to play with through the prism of of the invisible jumpers. So there was a street artist called Monsieur Chat in Paris, and I'd always loved his work. Um, so I got in touch with him and said, "Look, can we do one of these with you?" Um, and there we had the problem that it was very difficult to, like obviously graffiti is very ephemeral um, and the only places it really lasts um, in big cities where you've got a lot of people painting is if it is somewhere accessible, but I wasn't gonna be able to photograph him in front of somewhere inaccessible. So in the end, we, um, we just kind of went location scouting, found a derelict factory, broke in. I mean, didn't break in, obviously. Uh, climbed in through an entrance that somebody had <laughs> left slightly open. Um, and he he painted a painted a piece of artwork specially for my project, which I loved. Brilliant. So yeah. I'd seen the one of Fat Boys, or oh, I'd seen the smiley. Yeah. I didn't realise that that was Fat Boy Slim in the photo being camouflaged. Yeah. Yeah. 
There you yeah, go. That's so, the trouble with seeing it on your bloody phone, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's so small, isn't it? You just, you just don't get any any idea. But yeah, Fatboy Slim curated an exhibition at Ville's Gallery in Lisbon, all about smileys. Riker was there as well. Brilliant. Um, and uh, we printed that one, I think, two and a half metres wide. And there you can really see the detail. I mean, you can see imagine. every detail, every stitch of the knitting. And I love seeing it that big because you can see that we did do it for real. It's not just CGI. It's not Photoshop. It's a, it's a kind of deliberately analog process. Yeah. And there are bits that don't match. There are bits that don't quite work. But for me, that's part of the beauty of it because you can see that it's a real thing. Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant that you can just reach out to someone. I mean, that's the thanks of social, well, I presume it was social media, but you can just reach out to someone and if they like the idea, they will go along with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which is which is lovely. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, did you always have, or sorry, did you have creativity in the home growing up? My dad's a photographer, or was okay. to be retired. So, yeah. Um, he, in what field? He did advertising, um, cars, booze, tobacco, basically. Really? So proper all, bloke. Yeah, all those, <laughs> all those good eighties, all those good eighties things. Um, so yeah, that that was what uh, helped me grow up. And I guess when I was a little kid, I used to, I don't know, if I was ill and had a day off school, and I'd often go to a studio and I'd just kind of sit around and watch people, watch people doing that. And I thought. I mean, I thought that was that was really interesting. And when I was really little, I wanted to be a photographer. I guess just because my dad was a photographer. Of course. And then, I don't know, between the age of about 10 and 20, I had no interest in it whatsoever. There you go. And then I how did thought, it rekindle? So I had a friend who, while I was at university, I had a friend who got into photography. And um, I just went along with him sometime when he was taking pictures and thought, hmm, quite like this. Yeah, and yeah, got a, got a little camera and started playing around and yeah. Sorry, what was your initial course in, in university? I was, yeah, completely unrelated, French and Italian. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, but it was it was good because as part of that, I had my third year, um, I spent studying in France. I was in Paris for a year and Paris, Paris was an amazing place for photography. I mean, like the UK takes photography seriously as an art form now, but that's really quite recent. Whereas in France, it's been taken seriously. Oh, forever, yeah. As a proper art form for a long, long time. So there are a lot of really established museums and galleries. Um, and the place I was, had, I was studying had a dark room. So I didn't really do very much study that year. <laughs> yeah. year just going to exhibitions and taking pictures, which was, which was great. It was a wonderful, wonderful education. So what was your intention after university initially to, to use your French and Italian degree? I guess... When I went to university, I kind of wasn't thinking that far, to be honest. Oh, okay. I just thought, I just thought, I like French, I like France, I'd like to go and study this and see what happens. There you go. Um, and then, I guess when I started doing photography, I really wanted to be a war photographer. And then I, I, I did a lot of photographing kind of big demonstrations and stuff in Paris while I was a student there. And I really and enjoyed And they know how to do a demonstration over there. They certainly do. Doing. Yeah. 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 Till you mix, till you start mixing it up with the riot police in Paris, you've, uh, yeah, you've not seen a proper demonstration. Yeah. They, um, they get into it. I think you could say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when was it that you decided to carry on being a photographer? I guess it was during that year in Paris. 
it was yeah I had I had one year left to do at university after that and I sort of came back and I spent all my time doing photography for the student newspapers and just sort of thinking okay next year as soon as I graduate I'm going to move back to Paris and and be a photographer but I was kind of I was massively naive I kind of thought like I don't know how much you know about the sort of 20th century history of photography but before the war like in Paris in the 20s and 30s that really was the place to be if you wanted to be a photojournalist and um, that was where Magnum was set up and it was it was just a huge developing kind of place for photography and I just kind of didn't manage not to notice that time had moved on really so yeah. I just sort of thought I'll go back to Paris I'll carry on shooting black and white street photography and then I'll be a Magnum in a few years time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, it didn't didn't quite pan out like that so when was it you saw yourself as an artist I guess that it's really been something I've been feeling since I've been working in series of photos rather than just sort of taking a picture here or a picture there. Um, Which was when? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Which, I suppose when I started doing those, doing the side-by-side -side aerial things, that was about 11, yeah, about 11 years ago that cool. I started those. And that was, I guess that was the, that was the point at which I felt I'd really found some kind of voice. Um, and I've been enjoying what I was doing up till then, but there wasn't, there wasn't necessarily the same kind of coherence to it. Yeah. And, and that was a project where there was a very clear idea um, and it really gave me something to get my teeth into. And um and I guess I was very fortunate because it started off as a just as a as a sort of personal idea, and then it went viral, um, and people started contacting me and saying, "Actually, would you be able to like we'd really like to to sort of give you a carte blanche to to work on a series like this for us?" So I um, I got contacted by Armani and Lacoste and various brands who were who were making the kind of clothes that I was using for that series anyway so for me it was an amazing opportunity because I got a carte blanche um I got somebody else actually covering the costs of doing shoots like that because you don't just get in a helicopter and go and fly it around for fun <laughs> I mean you're looking two or three grand an hour so that's how I go down the shops to get a point of meal. yeah <laughs> you really you really need someone commissioning that kind of kind of a project of course and then yeah they're they're giving you access to to really interesting sort of clothes and textures and textiles and things 
so that was that was a really enjoyable challenge well it opens up your your field of vision as well doesn't it to yeah. what's possible yeah it does it does which piece joseph do you think has got the strongest emotional connection <laughs> that's really tough i think i get too emotionally bound up in my pictures in my work so often like I, I can get some distance from from work i've created a couple of years after because i've sort of got, forgotten most of the emotions that yeah, went yeah, yeah, yeah. but i know often when i've been working on a project there are things i'll hate because i just remember that it was really hard creating it or that i was kind of i had a sort of mental block on something for a for a for a week or a day or or a few hours or, or whatever it is um and and then there are other pieces of work that i've created where i'll sort of think wow this is the best thing i've ever done <laughs> absolute blast creating yeah. it then you can look at it six months on and you're like well it's okay but but that other one that i wasn't really thinking much about because everything sort of went fairly easily is actually better so i'm it's tough I guess. I mean, is, is there an like, image that you look back on that um, it's sort of you learned something from it or or it was a whole lot more than you was expecting it to be? That was stand so out for you, you know? Yeah, I'm just thinking there, there's a piece that I created with um, a street artist called Peter um, in the in my new series, Impossible Street Art. Um, and he's an artist I've been following his work for a long time and but I'd only ever seen it for I'd only ever seen it online so I hadn't seen the scale of it and um he he I photographed a, a big building and he then painted onto this building onto the photograph of the building and receiving the the print that he had worked on was absolutely blew me away because I saw the the level of the detail that he had created on that. And the fact that that was a piece of work that existed only because I'd um, asked him to, to kind of collaborate with me on that felt really special because it, I think it's something that underlines a lot of my work. It, I, I do tend to work in a collaborative way and I find it really, really exciting when I can work with somebody else and you create something which is which goes way further than what I could do or what they could do because you're doing it together. Yeah. And I think you get that you get that sort of cross-fertilization. Well what is your input stuff that really kind of blows me away. What is your input to impossible street art as in the visual illusion? Yeah. So what I've done with that is is I'll think of a place that I'm interested in having street art painted and that'll tend to be some sometimes it'll be a particular a specific location so there's one that i did on the side of the national theater in london and it's it's just a building i love i don't i i'm crazy about brutalist architecture and it's just such this it's a beautiful building i think just architecturally and then it's just this massive empty canvas and you just look at it and you're like any street artist <laughs> would love to have a go at that. And so it's it's just a place I've wanted to do something with for, for ages. Um, and for me with that one, it was a matter of finding an angle where I thought I'd be able to create something 
um, that gave multiple dimensions, not just a flat space, but sort of a flat bit and then other other surfaces going away from the from the viewer. So you end up with a painting that's in multiple dimensions. Um, and then I looked, I, once I got the photograph that I thought was right, I started looking for an artist who I thought would fit well into that space because not, not everyone is going to work for that space. Of course. I wanted someone very graphic. And there's a Belgian street artist called Denny Mayers who sort of does calligraphy um, and, and it's black and white. And I thought that in, in a very monochrome environment that would work very well because you've got this, this huge sort of concrete colored building um, and just a, a sort of pale blue sky. And then you've got this very, very stark um, painting on it. So I did the print and then he and I were, were working on another project together. I took the print along and he worked, we sort of discussed what kind of words he was going to write on it, which areas he was going to paint on, um, the scale, um, and, then, and then he painted it while I was there. So there, I guess it was, I was very involved in it. Did it get applied to the building digitally? So, the, yeah. Shall I, shall I run through the process? Please do. Okay. I see a building. I photograph the building. I do a big photographic print of, of that photograph. And then I give that print to an artist who paints That's directly on the print. Splendid. Okay, good. Sorry, I was missing, I, I missed a link in that yeah, no worries. conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, then, and then I take, the, I take the, the print back to that place, set it up on an easel in the same angle as I originally photographed it. And I re-photographed the print I've, I've seen these of yours anyway, and I didn't realise that is how it was done. So I do oh, okay. apologise. Have, have you seen the videos? No, I've not seen videos, but I've seen oh, the photographs. Yeah, but if, yeah, if you have a look at my If site, I did see the videos, then I wouldn't have just made myself look a fool for the last two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you're making me think, oh, shit, maybe I've made this uh, too complicated. Really getting it. Yeah, if you, if you have a look at the videos, they're, uh, I've generally tried to do a slider video for each one of these where you can you start off um kind of in the wrong perspective and then move over to till yeah. you're in the right perspective so you can see how it's done yeah it's sort of um similar to when people get a historic photograph and go back to the place today yeah. and yeah. hold it and you know find that exact spot yeah which are yeah. always fascinating right yeah yeah um another question that i've got here for each guest joseph is if there was you and five other artists past and present Yep. What would your ideal group show be? Oh. Michelangelo. Nice. Because I reckon, I reckon he'd be a street artist today. I mean, he's, he was painting huge frescoes. Yeah. Using optical illusions. And yeah, say what you like, the man knew what he was doing with a paintbrush. He did, most definitely. Yeah, so I'd love to work with him. Um, Vils. Oh yeah, he's cool, isn't he? He is, yeah, I love what he does. He's, um, I think he's endlessly inventive. Yeah, so that would be... I mean, not many artists use explosives, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I I think that's what I find really exciting about Vils is the is the fact that he's really looking 
for for new ways of doing things. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's 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 really really satisfying for me. Um, I think, yeah, there's a, a photographer called Bill Brandt. I don't know if you know him. I don't think I do. I may know his work. Um, yeah, did black and white, mostly black and white, or pretty much all black and white photography. B R A N D T. Um, I think he was. I'm going to make this up. I think he might have been Hungarian originally, but he's lived in Britain most of his life. And he was, I guess, working in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and he's, to be honest, he, he was probably the, probably the reason I started photography, really got interested in it. Um, so how many is that? Michelangelo, Bills, Bill Brandt, Hiroshige. Hiroshige, because he's another one of my favorite artists and then probably be Banksy I think <laughs> there you go it's got to be it's got to be Banksy because I think just because the the simplicity of his humor and I don't mean by that that it's simple as in facile just that it's very, very economical, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's something which I think is very difficult to achieve. Well, he knows how to grab the attention of the viewer, pull them in, and then let them peel away the, the skins of that onion as, as much as they please. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. Fairly eclectic five artists. Ideal. What do other people say for that? Warhol, Bacon... Um, Frida Kahlo, yeah. Picasso, they're the main, Damien Hirst pops up a hell of a lot. Right. Um, Banksy pops up a lot. Yeah. But yeah, the main ones is definitely, oh, Bacon, I don't know if I said Bacon. Just yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah they're, they're the main ones, really. Sarah yeah. Lucas, Tracy Emming. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's, and it, it depends, it's. And, and that five you just said there, you know, it'll be a, a different lineup if I was asked you ne next week as well, you know? Yeah. And have you got anything coming up? Yes. So I'm going to um, going to Jersey City on Friday. Nice. I'm spending a couple of weeks there, creating uh, creating a bunch of new uh, pictures in the um, in the Impossible Street Art series. So. And should be a lot of fun. When's that coming out? So that's going to be coming out oh, in about three months' time, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is ideal, to be honest, because this may not even be out by then. And other stuff, I guess I'm... Um, so there's a, there's a French museum um, where I've got some... A street art museum where I've got some, uh, some work exhibited from the Invisible Jumpers series. Um, and they're opening a new museum in Lyon next year, massive new place, and they should be exhibiting, um, exhibiting more of the more of the Impossible Street Art series nice. there. So that's going to be nice. And um, yeah, working on a um, uh, working on an anamorphic installation for a for another project. So yeah, got got quite a few. And is that inside or outside? That's going to be outdoors. They're always good, aren't they? They are, yeah. I love a bit of anamorphosis. Yeah, it's good. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a bunch more, uh, a bunch more pictures in the uh, for this series, um, and I'm going to be shooting some in Switzerland also a bit later this year. Oh, it's hard life, isn't it? So, well, yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. I mean, I've got to confess, there is an element with my projects. I do, I do sometimes look at places I want to go and visit. Oh, of course. Think, and why would you not? Think there's definitely got to be something I've got to do there. Yeah, you're not going to have a series based in Dagenham, are you? Just down the road from me. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> and um, where can anyone find what you're doing, be it website or social media? So josephford.net is my website. And then on Instagram and Facebook, I'm Joseph Ford Photography. Great. All right, then, Mia, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time. Lovely to meet you. That's fun. Likewise. Take See you care. later on, mate. All See you. Bye. If you've got an exhibition or any other creative project within the arts, or even just want to promote your own artwork, you could do that in podcast form similar to the one you've just listened to. They start at a convenient price point that is comfortable for any artist working on a budget. This podcast itself is created by working artists and we know how important that is. So to find out more information, you can email us on ministryofartsorg at gmail.com or on Instagram at Ministry of Arts Org. Ta-da! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.